Welcome to the Auto Amateur Podcast, this is James. In this episode, we're going to be talking about buying Porsche 911s, in terms of things to look out for and things to be careful of if you're considering pulling the trigger on a new ride. So first off, no, I am not buying a new car right now. <laughs> I know that's what a lot of people have been asking because I featured a 992 in a couple of videos and I've configured a 992 online. In all honesty, I'm not out looking for a new car right now. But I've owned three 911s in the past four years and I get a lot of questions asking me about the difference between the generations. Some people are at the moment considering getting into 996s, 997s and now also considering the 991. Just recently, I got an email from a guy called Rick who asked me about where I bought my 911s from. And it's a great question because I've bought three 911s now from three different places around the country. I got my 996 from Brea, California. I got my 997 from a dealership just outside of Chicago, Illinois. And then most recently got my 991 from Riverside, California. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half east of LA. Anyway. The thing is, though, living in Minnesota, we have two Porsche dealerships and there are lots of brand new cars available, but there aren't always a decent range of used cars available. Now, I've never bought a brand new car myself. I've always owned older models. Part of it is because I, I just can't stomach the fact that the minute you sign for the car and you take it off the lot, you're losing money. And the car in the first couple of years depreciates a huge amount. So buying a car that's worth $120,000 or more, and then overnight it's less, and within a year it's probably you know lost 20 grand. That's just not something that you know. I just that's going to keep me up at night. And it's kind of always been the case. So uh, you know the cars that I've owned across Mercedes and Porsche, and you know. My first car was a Ford Fiesta. You know, they've always been used cars. So I wouldn't say I'm an expert car buyer, but as far as the 911 is concerned, there are definitely a few things that I've learned through personal experience and research that I'd like to pass on, especially because I'm getting asked the question a lot online. So if you're a Porsche enthusiast, I'm sure you know there are differences between the different generations. The 996 and the 997, while their cars are extremely similar in many ways, there are definitely differences between the two. And then between the 997 and the 991, the cars in many ways are almost night and day. Now to the casual eye, to the non-Porsche enthusiast, a 911 might just be a 911 and yeah, they've gotten a little bigger and they look slightly more modern in places, but you know, they're all essentially the same car. Well, from generation to generation, we enthusiasts know that the engines have changed, the suspensions have changed, the features and functions inside the car have changed. It hasn't just been a question of slightly updating headlights and taillights, that sort of thing. So there are definitely different things to look out for. And I've been bitten by a couple of them, and I know that several of them have been covered quite a lot in the media and the forums, and we all know about the dreaded IMS bearing issue that came with the 996 and the first generation 997. So we're certainly gonna talk about that, but I'm not gonna dwell on that.
So first things first, yes, I've bought my three 911s out of state. And the reason has just been, I haven't found the right car with the right features on my back doorstep that's allowed me to buy locally. When I first wanted a 911, I started looking around the Twin Cities. There were really no 996s available at the time, which is what I was looking for. I extended my search and looked at Chicago. Um, I think I looked as far as, um, I don't know, Des Moines, Iowa, that kind of distance. Somewhere that would be anywhere between sort of three to five hours worth of drive. There were a handful more cars that sort of popped up. But, you know, the model that I was looking for, the mileage I was looking for, it became pretty apparent pretty quickly that I had to extend my search. So I just decided to search across the 48 states. And then all of a sudden, once I included California and the New York, New Jersey area and Florida, dozens and dozens and dozens of 911s just popped up out of nowhere. So I think I learned pretty quickly that <laughs> the majority of 911s are probably sold in those three locations. I mean, it makes sense, right? You know, there's uh, a lot of money in those three areas. The weather's pretty nice most of the time, I guess, if you live in the Northeast. But certainly California and Florida, that always seem to be just loads of 911s on the market. So I started to look across the nation. Now, buying a car that's 3,000 miles away or 2,000 miles away, or frankly, even more than 500 miles away, can certainly make people feel pretty anxious. And the first time I did it certainly was feeling pretty anxious about the whole scenario. So first off, I would say make sure you find a car that really has all of the features you're looking for. If you're going to be traveling potentially across the country or paying for somebody else to check it out for you, you really don't want to be settling for less than what you want. If I found a car on my back doorstep that had everything I wanted, but, you know, it was probably missing, let's say, the sports exhaust or the sunroof or, you know, the color of the interior, maybe I'd be willing to sacrifice those things just because of the convenience of having the car close by. But like I say, if you're going to go across the country and spend money to go and look at it and potentially have to spend money to bring it back home, you really want to make sure that you're not sacrificing any of those features. So I think that's job one. Find the car that you really, really want and then spend some time researching it before going to see it. So that leads us on to the next point. You found the car that you really want, you can't live without, it's your dream 911 potentially. It's the color, it's the age, it has the right amount of miles, it's in the right price range, it looks like it's in pretty good condition, what do you do next? Well, you've got a couple of choices. Of course, you could jump on a plane straight away and go and check it out, but I think you need to hold off. First off, I would suggest calling the dealer, and this is what I've done now three times. You call a dealer, you let them know that you're interested, and believe me, they will talk to you just as easily and readily as they will talk to somebody who walks into the dealership. Now, I've had a couple of 911s disappear on me because they've sold, frankly, in the time it's taken me to do some investigation and research on the car sitting there on the lot, but it's only happened a handful of times. The dealers know that people who are interested in 911s are serious. And especially if you're calling from out of state, they know that you've got an intention to buy. So they're gonna give you some attention. The first thing I usually do is ask the dealer to send me some high-definition photos. If you're looking at photos online, even on the dealer's own website, typically I use places like AutoTrader or Edmunds, but you're looking at any of those locations online, the photos are pretty low resolution. They're only gonna be such a good quality 
on the dealer's you know, storefronts. So ask the dealer to go and take some real-time photos of the car that you're interested in. What I usually do is I speak to the dealer first, establish that initial rapport, let the dealer know that I'm serious, and then ask for the photos. And you know, some of the dealers um, will text them to me, some of them will email them, but I haven't yet had a dealer that's refused to do this for me. Some dealers take more photos than others, but usually they're all willing to do this. So I will ask for photos of pretty much everything. I wanna see the headlights up close, I wanna see the bumpers, I wanna see all the different areas where 911s typically get rock chips. I wanna see the four corners and see if it's been you know, bumped into in a car park. I wanna see a couple of different angles of the doors and the major body panels to see if there are any dings. I wanna see the interior, I wanna see the steering wheel, the seats, as much of the car up close as possible. I want to see in a photo. And I always look out for the things that, you know, you typically see on cars. You're opening a door and you bang another door. Take a look at the edge of the door. You know, all of that sort of stuff. The other thing I do, and again, I think now all of the dealers have been willing to do this for me, is to take a video of the car. I don't just want to see the photos. I want to see a video tour. It's, it's much harder for somebody to conceal something from you when they're walking around a car when they're taking a few select photos from a couple of different angles of their choosing. So I'll have an exterior walk around, I'll have an interior kind of walk through, but then I'll also ask the dealer to put the camera behind the car and have the engine cold start. I wanna hear the exhaust, I wanna hear the engine, I wanna see if anything's blowing out of the back of the exhaust, which might point to a couple of different issues we'll talk about shortly. I want the engine cover lifted up. I want to listen to the car idling. You know, the kind of things that you'd expect to see and do when you're there in person. Most of the dealers will be willing to do this for you as well. And don't be afraid to ask. You know, they're working for commission. They're motivated to sell the car. If somebody's calling from the other side of the country interested in a car, they know there's intention there to buy. So I'm pretty sure that any dealer you speak to will be willing to do this for you. So you found the car of your dreams, it has all the options you're looking for, it's in the right mileage range, it's in the right price, and you've looked at all of the photos, you know, a hundred times and everything looks good. What do you do next? Do you jump on the plane or do you do some more investigation? Now, in the case of my first car, my 996, I chose to jump on a plane at this time. I went to Brea, California, I went to the dealership, I took it for a test drive, I was there. I was kind of committed. I already had skin in the game. I probably shouldn't have pulled the trigger for a couple of reasons. One, I realized that the 996 all of a sudden wasn't as spacious as the 991 that I'd sat in in my local dealership. So I think the first lesson there was that I should have found a 996 in my local area to go and sit in, even if it didn't have all of the options that I wanted so that I could get a feel for what that model, that generation felt like. That was definitely a rookie mistake. But it was big enough and it was comfortable enough that that didn't stop me. But I found out within a couple of months that I think one of the control arms needed to be replaced and I was getting a little bit of a squeak as I was turning corners. And I'm sure it was there when I took the car for a test drive, but I was in exciting kind of buyer's mode. I was there, I was committed. You know, I don't think there was going to be anything that was going to stop me from driving away with that car, short of the wheel falling off when I took it for a test drive. So 
you know, I, I think that was definitely a rookie mistake. But all in all, that 996 served me very well. I drove it home. It had just had an oil change. It had a lot of service history. You know, there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. The, it was in impeccable condition. It took me two days to drive it back to Minneapolis. I had the road trip of a lifetime, you know, through Nevada, through Utah, through Wyoming. The things I saw and the, the feeling of driving that brand new car through the desert, through the mountains, across the prairies, past the snow-capped mountains, and then through one giant cornfield in Minnesota for what felt like the best part of a month. It was just, you know, boring as hell the last leg of the journey. But that was absolutely incredible. Now, the lesson there I learned was that I should have had a pre-purchase inspection. And having gone through this now two further times with the 997 and 991, I would absolutely recommend getting a pre-purchase inspection. There are local independents that will do it for a couple of hundred dollars. You can get the local Porsche dealership that's nearest to the dealership you're looking at the car at. You know, they'll do the pre-purchase inspection as well. But it's absolutely something I would recommend. Now, the pre-purchased inspection, they're going to look for things that you can't see. They're going to look for things that you wouldn't think to look at. For the sake of a couple of hundred dollars, I think it's definitely worth the money. Now, the dealer will be willing to do one of two things. They'll either be willing to drive the car to the local Porsche dealer, where you can phone up and arrange to have the car inspected, and you'll get the report sent to you directly. Or they'll be willing to allow you to arrange to have a Porsche dealer or an independent specialist just show up on their lot and do the pre-purchase inspection there. If possible, get them to take it to the Porsche dealership because there's more that they can look at. There's more that they can do on site as opposed to at the dealership. But at the dealership will do just fine. The tech that's looking at your car is going to look for a bunch of different things. They're going to look around the exterior, the interior, they'll lift up the hood, you know, they'll look at the engine, they'll listen to the engine, but they'll also get under the car and they'll they'll inspect the joints, they'll inspect the brake lines, you know, they'll see if if they can do uh, an inspection of the brake pads, you know, without having to take the wheels off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They'll know where to look for um, you know, to see if there are any oil leaks or anything like that. They'll be able to look for a whole load of things that you wouldn't necessarily think to look at. The other thing to think about, though, is things like over-revving and the potential for bore scoring, especially with the 996 and the 997 models. And with the Porsche uh, tools, they're able to check for things like that. They plug in their computer, they can look at the data inside the onboard computer system, and they'll be able to tell you how many times the car has been over-revved. And this is really important if you're looking for a manual transmission. If you're getting an automatic transmission, the nature of the automatic function, it doesn't allow you to take the car into the red unless you put it into manual mode. So I would suggest that if you're looking for an automatic car, it's still worth getting the check, but I'd be very surprised if they found any instances where the car was driven in the red and, and there was a you know a major issue associated with over-revving. But in manual cars, and I know you Porsche 911 enthusiasts love the manual transmission, or at least a lot of you do, it's definitely worth checking out. And then with the 996 and 997, there was also the issue with bore scoring. And so they'll check to see if that is a problem. You know, they're not going to go inside the engine, but, you know, looking at whether or not the car, um, the ECU tells them that there have been a lot of over-rev events and also looking for soot or other debris coming out of the tailpipes upon startup they can give you, you know, an indication as to whether or not they think there is potential for bore scoring issues. And they're sort of symptoms to look out for and, and potential issues that are going to be expensive to fix. 
The other thing with the 996 and 997, of course, um, are issues like the IMS bearing. And without taking you know, the clutch assembly and the engine out and looking at the bearing directly, they're able to get a sense of, you know, are there any oil leaks? And for my 997, I found that the rear main seal was leaking. And so I knew I was going to get that fixed. And that was something that, you know, was part of my decision to buy the car was identifying that issue and figuring out how much it was going to cost me and whether or not it was worth buying the car. There are also other things to look out for like coil packs. They're not super expensive to change, but you know, if there are any misfires, they're going to find out about it and you'll be able to have another data point, you know, to help you make your decision. The transmission, they're going to figure out if there are any issues. Another thing to look out for with the 996 and 997, especially if the car is above 50,000 miles, is to see if the clutch is getting stiff. The, the clutch, or at least parts of the clutch, they have a life expectancy of about 50,000 miles, depending on how you, the car is driven. Sometimes it can be 35, 40,000 miles. Other times, like my 997, I didn't need to get my clutch replaced until it had you know, 60,000 miles or so. But that's definitely something that the pre-purchase inspection can help you figure out. Brakes, of course, are another thing that they're gonna to wanna to check for. What's the thickness of the rotors? They'll check on um, the life expectancy of the brake pads. Now, that doesn't sound like a huge job, and I've learned now how to do brake pads and rotors on 996s and 997s. But if you take it to the dealership, you're looking at thousands of dollars to get your brakes done. It's just an expensive job. You know, it takes a lot of time, even though the, um, the parts aren't that expensive. It's an expensive proposition. So that can definitely save you money if you identify that the brakes need doing before uh, you buy the car. Maybe they'll replace the pads for you. Maybe you can just sort of negotiate and, and take that off the price. And then the other thing to look at, and this is sort of for all 911s, are the radiators and the condensers at the front of the car. Unless the front bumper have got uh, the, the metal mesh, the grills, uh, there is always the risk that a rock or other debris is going to get in there and dent the fins on the condenser which sits in front of the radiator. And that's definitely something that's, you know, pretty expensive to replace. You're looking at at least four or $500 for the parts, and then you're looking at a good four or five hours worth of labor to get the job done. So again, you're looking at a couple of thousand dollars at least to get those jobs done. So they're sort of the major things. I mean, of course, they'll look at the wheels, they'll look at the rims, they'll see the life left on the tires, they'll check the bodywork. They can also do a test to see the condition of the paint. They'll tell you if any of the panels have been resprayed, which might indicate that it's been in an accident. And then, of course, there are things that you can do yourself in parallel to a pre-purchase inspection or when you first find a car online, and that's something like a Carfax check, where Carfax will guarantee that the car isn't a lemon and uh, it hasn't been involved in any accidents or if it has been involved in accidents you know the nature of the accident and, and when it was how many owners it's had and there are also records of service history so that's something that you can do yourself um, but that's not going to guarantee that the car isn't gonna you know have dings on or or might miss your expectations but that's certainly something else to look at now that was sort of the highlights of what I would suggest looking at for the 996 and the 997 I would suggest that you need to look for those things if you're considering a 991, but there's also another thing to consider with the 991, which we'll talk about next. Now for the 991, my current car. I've learned one thing about it, unfortunately, through my own personal experience. And I want to make sure that anyone looking at a 991 
checks for this themselves. And this is something that you don't need to pay somebody to check. You can find this out for yourself. And that's the interior trim. The 991 and the, also the Caymans and Boxsters that were produced at the same time from 2012 to about 2016 or 17. There's an issue where the door panels start to bend and peel away from where they meet the window. It sounds ridiculous. You're buying a luxury car, you're buying a sports car, and you've got interior trim pieces that are folding and warping and bending and peeling away, and they look awful. Now, I fell into this, unfortunately, because having done all of my inspections, having done all of my research, having looked at all of these photos and videos that the dealer sent me a hundred times over, each one, I still miss this. I got there in person, I walked around the car, I completely missed it. And it wasn't until I got home and one of my friends pointed it out, I just couldn't believe I didn't see it in the dealership. And it's absolutely something I would have commented on and either negotiated the price down for, or frankly, would have made me walk away from the car. They're pretty expensive to replace. So you find this typically in cars that are either parked outside permanently or they're in hot climates. So this happens to a lot of cars in LA and a lot of cars in Florida, a lot of cars in Arizona, Texas, those kind of places where you have a lot of direct sunlight and a lot of heat. So look for the door panels, absolutely look for the door panels. I found with my 991 that all the way along the edges, both of the door panels were peeling away from the window. And unfortunately, my 2013 991 is out of warranty. So Porsche, by policy, aren't going to cover that for you. And there's a Facebook group, which I was invited to join, having mentioned this on the 991 Enthusiast page. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of people out there with 2012 to 2017 911s, Caymans, and Boxsters that all have this issue. Porsche will replace the door panels if your car is still under warranty. But if not, you're up shit creek, unfortunately. And you're looking at about fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars for each door panel, and then you're looking at about two or three hours worth of labor to have them replaced. So it's an expensive proposition. So that's it for another podcast. I hope you found this useful. Like I said, I'm not an expert. I'm called the auto amateur, of course. But having been through these three 911 purchases now in the past four years or so, there are definitely things that I've been bitten by and uh, know to look out for next time. And a lot of the research online sort of validates a lot of the things that I've experienced and have also given me some things to look out for in addition. So if you're looking at buying a 996, a 997, or a 991, feel free to reach out with me at questions. You know, you can contact me through YouTube, autoamateurblogger at gmail.com, or find me on Instagram, auto.amateur. But of course, get in touch with your local Porsche dealership, get in touch with your local German car independent specialists, have a conversation with them. They'll certainly be willing to give you advice as to what to look for when you're buying cars. And then if you find one somewhere that's, you know, 500 miles or so away from you, wherever it is around the country, make sure you ask the dealer for photos and videos. Of course, look for things like service history and then get that pre-purchase inspection done by a dealership or independent specialist that's close to that location. So thanks again for listening. I'll catch you soon in the next video or the next podcast. Take care. Bye.